Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful for this day to regather together as your people. We ask, Lord, that you would come among us by your spirit, that you would renew us and strengthen us and shape us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. And again, welcome everyone who's worshiping together with us from home. We're so glad that you've joined us both in person and via the live stream. This is such an exciting day that I've been looking forward to. I would invite you to take out your Bibles or devices and turn to Matthew chapter 13, looking at our gospel reading this morning as I share some thoughts on sowers, seeds, and soil. Kind of a fun topic for me with my love of gardening. This is perhaps one of the best known parables of Jesus. And we find that Jesus in the Gospels often spoke in parables. We need to understand a parable is most simply a narrative based on everyday life, which is used for instruction. It creates a picture and it has clear cut self-evident meaning. Parables, especially as Jesus used them, are something that's straightforward. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to understand what the point is. They were not mysterious, they were not difficult to understand, and the meaning was readily evident to hear for those who wanted, those who wanted to understand them. Our text today is often referred to, even in Bible subheadings, as the parable of the sower, but I think it could also be accurately referred to as the parable of the four soils. As we read this parable, at first we see that it focuses on the crowds, those persons who in most cases have failed to, at least at this point, embrace Jesus' message of the kingdom. And yet this parable also has very real and very important application for us in our lives as believers. That certainly includes you and me. And I think the application for believers really is twofold. First, the application is for us as sowers. As Christians, as people who are called to continue to extend the ministry of our risen Lord Jesus Christ here in the world around us. And then secondly, for us as believers, there's application with regard to living our lives, how we live and order our lives as followers of Jesus. The seed, the good news of the kingdom through Christ is sown into the hearts of men and women. We see that in verse 19. And the picture that Jesus gives here is not of a sower sowing indiscriminately and squandering precious seed. Rather, it's of a farmer who knows the value and the potential in every seed. And so he sows into every inch of land available because he recognizes that every seed has potential. And as we look at this parable, Jesus gives us four categories of soil into which the seed is sown. The first is this, seeds sown along the path in verses 4 and 19. Seed which doesn't show great promise outwardly by all appearances. If you think about a path, the soil is compacted, it's hard, it's dry, it's tamped down, it's been walked over time and time again. And the seed cannot sink into where it is protected and where it can take root. In terms of sharing the gospel as believers, 
the imagery here seems to be very much to depict someone whose heart is hardened. Hardened to the good news of the gospel. And additionally, as Jesus explains in verse 19, this person, because of a hardened heart, maybe not even because of sin, but because of a life that has trampled down fertility to the truth of God, this person is particularly vulnerable to Satan's attacks and distractions. And Satan, Satan wants nothing more in anyone's life than to keep that seed, the seed of God, the good seed of God from germinating. The risk for us as Christians is that it's easy to write this kind of person off and not even bother sowing into his or her life because we think, what's the point? It's useless. Their heart is hardened. I think of my very dearest friend whose name is Jay, who grew up in a completely, completely non-Christian environment. I mean, no exposure to the gospel of Christianity, even in a cultural sense whatsoever. And by all intents and purposes, if you would have looked at his life or the life of someone like him, you would say, they're not open to the gospel. They're not going to hear. They don't even have a frame of reference to understand or comprehend the gospel. And yet when he was in his last year of high school, a group of Christian friends began to speak the word of God to him, began to sow into his life. And lo and behold, that seed took root and sprang up and has borne great fruit. Despite what human logic, our human rationale would say, and I have to think for myself, and I'm sure some of you can identify with this as well, how guilty I have been at times in terms of human judgment and making human judgments regarding the openness of someone's heart to the gospel only to be shocked and pleasantly surprised by what God has been doing unseen by his spirit in someone's life. And the converse is also true. There are times when I thought someone was very close to coming to the Lord, to making a profession of faith, to embracing the good news of the kingdom. And then they go on with their life and they never do. We look with the outward eyes, but God works and looks at the heart. And we need to think about the heart of some of these people like my friend Jay because sometimes it's all they know. And we don't live in a world anymore where people have had even a cultural exposure to the gospel necessarily. And we need to understand there is often genuine ignorance, a complete lack of grasp or comprehension or even a cursory knowledge of the truth of the gospel. And that should stir us to compassion and fill us with godly passion to be about making the good news of the gospel known to people we encounter every day. Romans 10 verses 13 through 15 remind us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we have the seed sown along the path. Secondly, we'll look at the seed sown on rocky ground and seed sown among the thorns kind of together here. 
Both of these, rocky ground and thorns, are environmental factors, and neither is readily apparent to the sower. Rocks so often are just below the topsoil, just below the surface. Weeds, and specifically thorns, haven't yet germinated at the time of sowing, so you don't know what's going to come up. My dahlia patch looked great in May when I planted everything, and now it's all I can do to keep the wire grass and the weeds out of it. They love fertilizer more than my dahlias do. <laughs> but these, these thorns and these weeds will spring up later side by side with the good seed. The problem with rocky soil, soil that has rocks just below the surface, is that the roots can't go deep. The heat scorches them. The shallow soil quickly becomes parched and the roots dry up and die. The soil with thorns in it may even or very likely is even good soil, but the thorns rob the good seed of the moisture and the nutrients that they need. I think there are two principles here for our lives as believers. The first one is this. Our roots need to go deep. For you and me as Christians, our roots need to go deep. Deep enough to weather the times of drought. Deep enough to weather when thorns spring up around us. In the case of new believers, it is imperative that these people, if they're going to survive and ultimately thrive as fruitful Christians, that they be firmly established in their faith. Colossians 2 verses 6 through 7 reminds us, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The reality is with most new believers is that they don't even know how to begin or where to start growing in their faith. They're excited. They know God has done something profound in their lives, but they're incredibly vulnerable and they need to become quickly rooted. And what a wonderful response opportunity and responsibility this affords each of us who know and are walking with Christ to come alongside of a new believer to walk with that person and to help them get rooted and grounded in the faith one of the things that I shared way back in January at the business meeting that's on my heart and I've shared with the vestry and with the staff which COVID kind of tamped down, but we're not going to ignore it, is that I, I believe God is calling us as a church to get reintegrated into to Dale City. So many, there's nothing wrong with this, but so many of us live in Montclair or Lake Ridge or, or areas a little bit further out, but, but we don't have a large ministry footprint these days, if you will, what I call right down the hill. Say uh, in the communities in Dale City, there are between off of Dale Boulevard between Gideon Drive and Miniville Road. And I believe that God, this is our neighborhood, and I believe with all my heart that God is calling us to pray and ask him, not in our thoughts, not in our best intentions, but for God to give us God-breathed strategies to reach people in our community right here, right down the hill, if you will. But if we're going to do that, we also need to be putting ministries and, and have people in place when these people come and when they come to the Lord to walk with them so that their faith grows deep and they put in roots and they grow 
and they're taught and established in their faith. It is a privilege and a responsibility that God gives us as his people to walk with new believers in the Christian life, to share, to listen, to pray, to help them become established in those godly practices, spiritual disciplines that lead to maturity as God continues to work his wonderful transforming power in both them and in us. But here's the catch. We can't take another person deeper than the place where our own roots have grown to. So what's that mean? We have to continue growing. We have to continue by God's grace and the power of the Spirit, pressing in with the Lord and knowing Him more fully. It means our roots must continually be going deeper. Our roots, brothers and sisters, need to go deep. The second principle we see here, the person, the believer who continues to grow and mature is the person who keeps Jesus as his or her first love. In verses 7 and 22 of Matthew 13, Jesus speaks of the seeds that fall where the thorns also spring up. It's important to realize here, the problem is not the soil. The soil is good. The soil has nutrients in it. The problem is what is allowed to grow up alongside of the good seed. Ultimately, robbing the good seed of its life and choking it out. And Jesus gives us specifics in verse 22 of the kinds of things that do that in the lives of believers. Two things he mentions. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. The cares of the world and in a sense the stuff, the trappings of the world. And it really boils down to priorities. Those things which we truly value, those things which matter most to us. Not just what I say, just not what you say matters most. But more significantly, what is demonstrated by, as mattering most by how we live our lives. If we're to grow and mature, Jesus and the priorities of his kingdom must be our first love. It means that as God works in our hearts by his spirit, our lives become more fully day by day, bit by bit, step by step, more fully aligned with his will and his plan and his purposes. And as we do that, our roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And the thorns die out. You want to talk about spiritual roundup, spiritual weed killer? You go deep with the Lord. You grow in the Lord. It will kill the thorns. They will be eradicated not that troubles don't come our way, but the cares of life and the trappings of this world that allure us and pull us away from a vibrant, vital relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, those things wither and die because we are sowing into the good things of the kingdom of God. Deuteronomy 6.5 reminds us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The believer who continues to grow and mature is the person who keeps Jesus as his or her first love. 
And this very much relates to our fourth category of soil that Jesus gives us. Seeds that fall on the good or fertile soil in verses 8 and 23. When we are growing in our faith, when we are walking side by side with other brothers and sisters, those around us, and helping them to grow in their faith, what's the result? We'll look at verse 23 with me. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, and in another case sixty, and in another thirty. Our lives and the lives of those we are walking together with as brothers and sisters will produce spiritual fruit. And hear me, this is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not about works righteousness. This is about yielding our hearts and lives to God, allowing him to work. It's not about earning our salvation because that's impossible. But Jesus calls every single one of us, every one of us, to a life of discipleship where he is our first love above all else. That was a radical truth in Jesus' day and that is a radical truth today. But when we are growing in our relationship with Christ and we are walking in genuine, close, intimate fellowship with him as our savior, our lives will produce fruit because we're cultivating the soil of God's kingdom in our lives so that he can pour into us of his life and his spiritual nutrients in a sense. And it becomes a natural, a supernatural part of who we are by God's working in us. John 15 verses 4 through 5 remind us, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a lot to ponder here. A lot to think about. A lot to, by God's grace, inculcate in our lives. But let me give us just a few thoughts as I conclude. The first one is this. As believers, as disciples of Jesus, we are commanded to show, to sow, excuse me, to share our faith, to share the good news of the gospel with sensitivity, with spiritual discernment. But it is not our role to judge the soil. God calls us to sow generously in both word and deed, knowing the power that is in the seed of the gospel. And it's amazing to ponder the fact that God has entrusted us. He has entrusted you and me with this message of the kingdom. Second, if we are to grow into the disciples Jesus is calling us to be, we must cultivate the soil of our lives. Again, our roots must continue to grow and go deeper. And we need to call the thorns and the weeds, the junk, the stuff of this world out of our lives. It means keeping Jesus as our first love. It means encouraging one another in the Lord, exhorting each other to godliness 
in the Lord, sharpening one another. And then finally, when we are living as disciples of Jesus, he continues to transform us. He will continue to mold and shape us more and more into his likeness, both individually, but this is also a community thing. All of us together, together as the body of Christ. And as he does this in our lives, we will bear godly fruit. Our lives will bear fruit. And as we bear fruit, we have more and more seed of the kingdom to sow. To sow into the workplace. To sow into our neighborhood. To sow into Dale City between Dale on Dale Boulevard between Gideon Drive and Minneville Road. Not that we limit our sharing of the gospel to that area, but I'm burdened that we need to reintegrate ourselves as a church in that community. And as we do that, God, not us, God will produce godly fruit. God will cause seed to bring spring forth into life. And we will see a mighty harvest for the kingdom. Let us pray. Father, come among us by your spirit. And Lord, beginning with me, do the work that needs to be done in our lives to call out the weeds to cultivate and turn up the fallow soil in our lives that it would bear much fruit. And God, as that fruit of your kingdom is produced in our lives, as you work in us, as we sharpen one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray, God, that there would be a mighty produce of seed that is sown and that as we sow the seed, you by your spirit would bring forth a mighty harvest that we could come rejoicing, as the psalmist says, bringing our sheaths with us, which are souls for your kingdom, people who Jesus died for, dearly beloved. Lord, give us that fruit in our lives. Give us that harvest in this community for the glory of your name. And this we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.